Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Happy New Year, Sissy Goff. Happy New Year, David Thomas. It is 2022. I cannot even believe it. I can't either. We needed a new year. We did need a new year. And I've been laughing about that meme that's circling around about not claiming 2022 as your year, but to sneak in quietly from the back door, because who knows what this year may hold. It's going to hold good things. It is. Yep. I'm going to channel my seven. It's going to be a great year. It is going to be a great year. And before we talk about new and good things, we've been talking so much in the season about Modern Parents, Vintage Values. And some Timeless Truths. Yes. And we've been talking about what we want to bring back and asking a lot of guests what they want to bring back from their growing up. So let's have our first, what do we want to bring back in 2022? Well, I just watched the redone, I don't know what the official word is, episode of The Facts of Life. Oh my goodness. And Different Strokes. And, you know, I think that's probably... What I would want to bring back, I have been a little under the weather for the last couple of weeks. So I've been watching a little more TV than usual. And I just am struck again to go from some of the newer shows that are dark, you know, just even the comedy is so dark to the facts of life or to Arnold on different strokes was like such a breath of fresh air. And I think that's what I want to bring back. I was talking to somebody about that the other day about Ted Lasso. Like, surely the networks are going to realize we don't just love dark. We love Ted Lasso. Let's bring back some fun, happy shows with good theme songs that will hum. (laughs) I'm all for that. Yes. And while you you? were under the weather and watching your shows, were you playing with your new light bright too? Speaking (laughs) of things to bring back. I got a light bright. A very sweet new friend sent us gifts based on the podcast. I got a light bright and you got a Jenny's ice cream card. And I've already been to ice cream. I can't wait to come over and see what you built. I know. You're going to have to have it out on the counter, your new design. I will. I will. Well, you know what I'd bring back? What? We just had this hilarious moment in my kitchen where my kids who are all college age now were talking about that it's like a common thing to have mixers at a roller skating rink. And I'm like, wow. Oh, y'all, so much of my life growing up happened in a roller skating rink. Yes. And I grew up in a small town. So that was like a hangout spot. And we started laughing, telling stories, and they could not wrap their minds around the fact that their mom and dad used to couple skate, that I could skate backwards. You could, David? Oh, and in circles. Like wow. I can still hear the DJ calling out. Couple skate, couple skate only. I can hear it right now. <laughs> and so we did a little demo in the kitchen of how we would skate backwards. Yeah. 
and they may have turned their cameras on because it's so comical to see two old people I demonstrating how videos. this happened. I'm going to text your kids. Could you not skate backwards? I was not a very good skater, no. Really? I tried hard, but I couldn't do it. Oh, my goodness, yes. No, that's amazing. Yeah, I can hear it like it was yesterday. And then he'd say, I'll skate and skate yeah. slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. All those commands from the roller skating rink. It's All fun to think those back. commands. Yes, it it's, is. It's fun to think back. The awkward years. The awkward years. It may not be quite as much fun to jump into the topic we're going to be talking about today, which is... Respect. I was trying to say that weighty, which is easier when I have a cold. Respect. But it is an important topic it to talk about. It is an important about. topic. And we hope we make navigating disrespect and moving kids toward respect a little bit easier. Yes. I feel like we should probably break out into song. R-E-S-P-E-S. Oh. <laughs> we won't since we're Look not you. singers. But if it gets too heavy, we may break into a okay, chorus from good. time to time. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about a few ideas for making this more manageable. And the first thing I would throw out is that I think we have to teach it. I think kids learn respect no different than they learn to ride a bike or swim in a pool. We can assume it's instinctive. And again, we've talked about where kids can bend in certain directions more naturally. But I think we need to assume that all kids need to be taught what it is and what it looks like. So uh, something I've taught before on the podcast, but I'd remind you again, is that for those of you listening who have kids 12 and under, those kids are, in terms of their cognitive development and what we call concrete thinking, so the world is very black and white, and respect can be an abstract concept to a lot of those kids in particular. So we want to break it down, making it black and white, working with the mechanics of respect. We want to talk about tone of voice, volume eye contact, folded arms versus open arms, angry face versus soft face. I once worked with a boy who he would squint his eyes a lot when he was angry, like the Marvel character who shoots laser out of his eye. (laughs) And so he could be saying really respectful words, but his eyes and his tone were sending away different message. I heard some parents in my office recently saying they were talking in the kitchen. They have a teenage son. And they were saying, you know what, let's not cook tonight. Like, let's order dinner and pick up something. And the dad was like, great. And the mom said, you know what, let's let our son pick the restaurant tonight. So she walked to the bottom of the stairs and was like, hey, Jeff. And he goes, what? And she (laughs) was like, I was just going to ask, would you love to pick where we're going to eat tonight? And he looked at her with a blank stare like, all I said was what? And, you know, that's a perfect example of, I think, the disconnect that could happen for any kid of any age, not just kids 12 and under, that in his mind, it was just a question. Mm. He just delivered the word what. I think he probably in his head maybe thought I said, what, you know, but the execution was so different. So I think when kids blow it, we want to use a lot of, which these parents did in that moment, you know, try again. We love those words and acknowledge that they are practicing in this space. In fact, I think this mom may have said, (laughs) great question, bad execution, which I think we may have to say a lot. Or with little kids, like good words, bad voice, you know, or angry tone, whatever it may be, to help them make connections with where they are communicating something different with their bodies, with their tone, with their eyes, than what they're saying with their mouths. Mm, What would you add to that? Well, I would add one that I think sounds 
obvious, but I think we have to be intentional about which is really earning their respect. Or maybe a better way to say it is even maintaining their respect, because I think there are little ways that we can erode kids' respect in us without intending to. And and thinking about things like being fair with your kids, I don't mean giving them things fairly, but I can't even count the number of times I have had parents, and I would imagine you've had this experience too, who will say, well, I don't have a favorite, but, and then they'll go on. And and often it is, I wonder if you would say this too, often it is about their youngest, whatever they're about to say. And I think it's so important, and maybe we could say this because we're both the oldest, but it's so important to be aware of that thing we talk about, that there's often one child that you're harder on than any of your other kids, typically the oldest child of your same gender or the one who's most like you. And so in that, there are ones that other things get slanted towards. And so, you know, I don't think you have to dot every I and cross every T, but just to be aware that things are big picture fair. And, you know, if one child had to wait for some technology or even to get their ears pierced to a certain age, don't drop it two years just because time's passed. You know, just to be aware of even giving kids things to look forward to in that is really important. Being trustworthy is another part of earning it. So being fair, be trustworthy, be reliable, that you follow through with what you say you're going to do. I can't even recall the amount of kids who say things like, well, my mom's late all the time. I mean, some of us are five minutes late all the time, and that's okay. But I think they need to know that we're good for our word, that we're going to follow through on what we promise them, that we're good listeners, that we hear them. I think sometimes we're moving so fast that they don't feel respected because we're not taking the time to slow down and listen to them. And then I think another big eroder, is that a word? We could say it's a word, of respect is when we are not choosing battles with kids, when we are majoring on every single thing that I think when we're on top of them in that kind of way and not choosing battles, I think they feel disrespected and they feel discouraged in light of it. And so they don't end up respecting us as a result. And then I think the last thing in that list, I would say, is to be conservative with your history as a parent. And I don't think we've ever even talked about this on the podcast, but we have a lot of parents ask us those questions, especially parents of adolescents who say, you know, well, I made a lot of mistakes when I was growing up and I want my kids to learn from the choices that I make. And our experience is that when you tell your kids the choices that weren't so great that you made, they use those choices for license rather than as learning opportunities. For example, I remember a girl who said to me, I mean, I can still picture her sitting in my office and her saying to me, after she'd gotten in trouble for using drugs for the first time, she said, well, my dad smoked pot when he was in high school and he turned out fine. There are going to be times that you're tempted or even that your kids ask certain questions about you and about your history. And unless your kids feel completely broken, like they are the only ones who've ever made that mistake in the history of time, we don't really feel like it's helpful for them. It does not provide fodder for a learning opportunity for them. Instead, I think you can say, I did some dumb things when I was growing up. And I think you're a whole lot smarter than I was when I was your age. And keep moving. Because even if they're asking, it really is not out of a place of, I just haven't ever heard a kid. Have you heard a kid say, you know what, my dad did that and I've decided I'm not going to make the same mistake. I've never heard someone say that. 
No, the opposite. Yes. And I love that you introduced that because this season we're so excited to have Jessica Leahy who wrote the book, The Addiction Inoculation on the podcast. And she speaks to that concept in the book Mm. and has some great research to back up everything that we're saying about where kids take that as permission. Yes. So I love that you introduced that. And they don't want to hear about your life very much anyway, because if they're teenagers, there's in the narcissistic here. So just, you know, I made some mistakes too. And I think you're so much smarter and keep moving forward. Yeah. Great stuff. And I would add to it, we want to encourage parents also to model respect. You know, you've heard us talk on this podcast about how kids learn more from observation than information and just pay really close attention to all of your exchanges. We just finished the holidays and this happens every year in my counseling office. Without fail, I will have kids, usually somewhere in mid to late adolescence, start to talk more about their parents' relationship with their grandparents. You know, it's like it clicked for the first time. My grandparents are actually my mom and dad's mom and dad. And making connections in those relationships differently than they could earlier. And certainly that could happen with younger kids. But Every year without fail, I will have some kid who will talk about how their mom talked to their grandmother, their dad talked to their grandfather, and and this awareness of where they can be disrespectful sometimes to their own parents when we talk so much about the importance of respect with parents. So just lean into the importance of that and knowing that kids are watching all of those exchanges. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com to start your free trial. I had a seven-year-old boy in my office not long ago who told me that he only wanted his mom to walk him into school and not his dad. And You know, I certainly have a lot of kids who experience a safety with one parent differently that might drive some of those kind of responses. But as I did a little bit digging in to try to understand more about why he didn't want his dad to be in the school building, he said, because my dad talks to my teacher and his teacher's first grade teacher was new to the profession and younger in her mid-20s. He said, my dad talks to my teacher sometimes like she's our high school babysitter. Mm. Those were his words. And I remember how sobering it felt to hear him say that and to think, oh my goodness, how often that could happen, particularly I think with younger educators. But even thinking about high school babysitters, making sure that we're responding to all the other folks that we interact with when our kids are sitting front row with respect so that they get a chance to see what that looks like on the grownups that they trust the most in this world. Yes. I remember a girl telling me that her dad would get onto her about her tone of voice a lot and her saying to me, you know, the other night my dad started screaming, shut up, shut up at me. You know, and I think what a picture of, yes, modeling it and what that looks like. And I think the last thing, I mean, as we're talking about teach it, earn it, model it, the last thing would be require it. 
that really we feel like every home needs to have a bottom line level of respect. That's just how you engage with each other, how you talk to each other, and that if that respect is disrupted, that we start with things like try again, like you said, that we give them opportunities to correct, and then there comes a consequence. And I think probably because I work so much with girls, I do think there are words that should come with an automatic consequence too, that maybe you don't even give an option. If a child calls another child, if one of your kids calls another one of your kids fat, I think there should be an automatic consequence. Stupid. If your kids say, I hate you, I mean, I feel like that is something that a lot of parents will tolerate. I don't know that you need to tolerate that. I really don't. I think that can have an automatic consequence as well, that there are just certain words that are taboo in your house. And I think also we want to really think about, you know, the idea that we've talked about before of you want to value your kid's character over their happiness. And so that's part of where we're folding in this respect. And that's respecting you. It's respecting others. I mean, thinking about the whole idea of there are two sides to the street. I mean, I think that is a big component of teaching kids respect that, you know, when your kids come home and they have had some kind of conflict with someone else that we listen, we start with listening to their side and then helping kids remember there are always two sides. Well, do you think you might have had a part in that? What could you have done differently? I think that teaches them respect and relationship, which is so important. And then, you know, one thing I think I would say, David, too, that we haven't talked as much about, but I think respecting yourself in front of your kids is so important that how you talk about yourself and, you know, probably because of sitting with girls so much and sitting with their moms and knowing, you know, what we talk about all the time, that girls tend to blame themselves for things and boys tend to blame others. And I think it's not just little girls, it's women are so hard on themselves. And if you as a mom speak negatively about yourself in front of your kids, I think they can not only not respect you as much, but in turn end up not respecting themselves. I will never forget a girl that I was working with and she felt like she was overweight. And she said to me one time, you know, sissy, I hear my mom talk about her body all the time. And she said, if my mom thinks as poorly as she does about herself. I can't imagine what she thinks when she looks at me. Mm. Now, just a good sobering reminder for us to be aware. What are we communicating about ourselves in front of our kids? Because that's going to be their internal voice about themselves too. So respect in all the places and all the people. Great. We talk about some intentional practices. Let's camp out there for a few minutes. Yes. Okay. One intentional practice I would talk about for girls because, ugh, I just have this conversation all the time is as parents, if you're in a two-parent household, if you're not parenting on the same team, I think kids will often lose respect with one of you. And I end up seeing a lot of parents who will throw the other parent under the bus. Sometimes not intentionally. Sometimes I think maybe even impulsively, I definitely have had kids who will come back and say, well, my dad said, your mom does that to me too. (laughs) That is not ever helpful for a kid to hear a statement like that. We talk about this often with girls, but if girls will start to pick up on the differences in your parenting and they'll start to manipulate it really young, they will work it. And so if they feel like one of you is the bad guy, one of you is the good guy, they will end up I mean, I think in the long run, they probably end up disrespecting the good guy, but in the short run, they end up disrespecting the bad guy. 
I might have said that backwards, but it does flip eventually. But I think for you to parent on the same team, I think is going to help garner more respect from your kids, maybe than anything as a couple that you can do. And to not parent on the same team and to speak negatively about the other parent to your kids when the parent's not around or in front of your kids that you say negative remarks to that parent, I think that can erode a lot of respect really quickly. So parenting on the same page as much as possible. And not to say, obviously, you're going to disagree at times in front of your kids. And, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of like a code word. Like I've been talking about that a lot lately with parents, my office, that, you know, when you get into a place that you have a difference of opinion, of course, you're going to do that. And it's healthy to see kids See, you do that with respect. Again, we're modeling it in front of them. If it starts to become disrespectful, have a code word that you just say, I think I'd like pizza tonight or whatever it is. And that you know that means we're tabling that conversation for later. So parenting on the same page would be one I would say, David, what would you add? Well, that's a great bridge into an idea I would recommend is to practice what it looks like to disagree with respect. Mm -hmm. Arm kids with statements like, I see it differently but I respect your opinion. Or, you know, I think about how often I have encountered kids who I think may have seen a lot of grownups do a lot of correcting another person's thinking or ideas or opinions, which I think is probably happening in this day and age more than ever, certainly all over social media. In the comment sections, people are correcting ideas and thinking. And what would it look like to Equip kids, you know, with more statements like, you know, I have a different value around that, but I'm glad to learn more about how you see the world. Mm, I don't I hear evidence thing. of versions of some kind of statement like that. And and thinking about just ourselves first and then in front of kids second, how can we respect the dignity and humanity in others when we don't see the world in the same way? Mm. And be people who reflect the love and the grace of Christ in doing that. Mm. I love that. Yeah. What else would you add to the list? I think the last one I would say is super simple, but it's something that I think a lot of us who are adults today never had our parents do with us, which is just to apologize. Like you said, kids learn more from observation than information. And as we're teaching them all of these important things, even respect that we're going to not respect them at times, but when we do that, we always come back and apologize and ask for their forgiveness. I think that is walking out the gospel in front of them. And really, ultimately, what kids are going to respect the most is integrity. And that's what that looks like, not this image that we're trying to present to them. This has been not just a fun conversation, but what feels like a really important conversation. Yes. You know, thinking about how much disagreeing and discord has been a part of our world in the last couple of years mm-hmm. more than ever. It just feels like this conversation is needed and important. And I'm grateful we could start 2022 with a really important conversation like this. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gomino.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.